1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily right here on the Wrestling Daily YouTube channel. It is Wednesday and that means the, 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 the Daily Boy is right beside me, SP3. What is going on brother? It
0: is Wednesday and it is a good day to be here with the Daily Boys. It is debate night on wrestling daily with a pre-show before a huge quizzle mania so it's a lot of great things going on on youtube today and i'm happy to be here with my brother from an irish mother and talk a little wrestling Uh,
1: there it is the irish nurse coursing through my veins sb 3 always a pleasure man uh and well well done good job i i was uh, able to catch half an hour of the monday show today on my commute into work and i richly enjoyed it um i mean sat is a crazy man but i enjoyed it for sure very good um very good to add that to the rotation we were talking about this yesterday i think it's awesome that the co-host here can do more um and yeah that's what wrestling daily is all about so i'm very glad it's been well received thank you very much guys for tuning in make sure you check it out every monday now moving forward i might drop in every now and again um but yes, that's the idea that everyone's going to get their own chances on this channel. Uh, speaking of which, some of you good eggs out there had some chances here on the phone in yesterday. Very good show. Thank you very much again. But today is debate day. We're going to get into the news in a minute. We're going to then talk a little bit about NXT. Pete Dunne and Dragon over good. And then obviously we're going to do a little bit of our debate too. So, Uh, Without further ado, anyone who's here right now, I'm going to say this periodically. Thumbs up, please, on the video. Give us that subscribe button. We appreciate your custom. Uh, So thank you very much in advance for your support and to all the good eggs I can see in the chat already. Dion Chua, who was in the call-in yesterday, SB3. He was spitting facts from his cold Antarctic bedroom. Um, No doubt about it. CM Chris in the house as well. Uh, I will say this, guys. If you want to dictate this show at any point, you know you can do that by wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestling daily. I love the Ultra Chats, my favorite part of the show, when you guys get to have your say. And I think one of my favorite things is when you have hot takes. If you have hot takes, get them out of the oven and give them to us. I would love to hear what you guys have got to say. And then let SV3 and I tee off on all of your fine takes. So, Uh, Without further ado, let's address the title of this video, SP3, because I, you know, once I was told what the the title was, I wasn't best pleased because um, not only do I not think it's a like solid, what I would call quote unquote report, um, it's also a given, right? Of course, WWE, you know, are going to want to have him back. I I assume they've made overtures, um, but just break it down for us what you've seen.
0: Uh, Well, this came from basically a poll or like a... Q&A answer uh, question and answer from uh, PW Insider when asked about uh, what what is, Dan- what is WWE's thoughts on Daniel O'Brien potentially going to AEW and PW Insider answered that WWE still wants to re-sign Daniel O'Brien before he heads over to AEW and like you said when I when I saw this report and I looked a little bit more into it I was just like Yeah. I mean, this is a no brainer. I don't think that you need a source in WWE to kind of get to know it. I mean, they've been very adamant as far as CM Punk from what we've been hearing (laughs) From, from CM Punk. They've been like, you know, they're 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 over that they don't want to have cm punk they went through their issues with him he has a lot of bad uh feelings towards them they apparently have a lot of bad feelings toward him it's not a mutual working situation whereas daniel Bryan was in the main event of wrestlemania and mm-hmm. he was given a, a very good uh, send-off in his uh, final matchup against Roman Reigns on the April 30th SmackDown episode. I would say uh, really a top three WWE TV match of the year uh, mm-hmm. when, he, when he lost his uh, Loser league SmackDown match. So it is almost a given that, yes, WWE wants Danny O'Brien. WWE doesn't want Danny O'Brien to go to AEW, but – it's it's a good it's a good uh talking point as as it will because you know the Daniel Bryan talks are gonna gonna be cooled for a while until he eventually does show up on AEW if he eventually shows up on AEW so I guess it's like a good to- a good topic for us to discuss here.
1: Yeah, I, I I think it's worth noting at this point as well the PWQ and wasn't even Mike Johnson it was Dave Scherer. Or I don't know how you pronounce that Shearer Scherer. Um So even that, I take less. Uh, You know, I think it was just him answering what he thought rather than reporting, because I feel like if WWE were in active talks with Daniel Bryan, that would be actual report headline news. Um, You know, they've obviously made offers to Daniel Bryan. We know this uh, back when he first left and whatnot. And I'd be surprised if in light of the news, they hadn't reached out again. But ultimately, WWE can't give Daniel Bryan what he's seeking. And that is the opportunity to have these dream matches, to go to Japan, to, to do all the things that he's talked about doing for so long. And, and i i tell you what, there was a section of the internet for a while that was going, Oh, I'm sick of Daniel Bryan talking about it or, you know, Oh, what'd he just do it then? Well, now he's going to, it looks like, and everyone can shut up. Um, uh, because Daniel Bryan is one of the goats of his generation. And man, like he's got another good, chunk of his career left you gotta remember he's 40 now just turned it in may he had the two years out retired um i know his body's been through a lot but out through retirement then he's had what a year and a half with just one working one day a week if that yeah. because of the pandemic it's actually been pretty good so uh i i feel like there's legs in daniel Bryan at this point like they're not picking up someone who's passed his best in wwe like a mark henry or white that's obviously they're different kinds of recruits right this is a guy who's active game changer an active yeah. main event talent uh and i feel the same for punk who's only two years older and again it works both ways he's been out of the ring for seven years but also he's been out of the ring for seven years so he's he, you know he's in good nick he should be um certainly compared to what he was at the tail end of his wwe career when he had the staph and the bad elbow and all of that good stuff so um I feel like, of course, WWE want Daniel Bryan. Who doesn't? They'd be idiots if they didn't. But at the end of the day, um, you know, he would have resigned if that was what he wanted to do. The AEW deal, although you know we, we're not exactly confirming, it looks as good a done deal as as it could be. I mean, I, the only thing that looks more rock solid than that is Punk right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the whole United Center deal convinced me that that was happening. Um, but we think Arthur Ashe is Daniel Bryan, right? So, man, WWE, uh, AEW have got their house in order. I don't think WWE are in a position at this stage to reel anyone back in if they wanted to.
0: Yeah, I think it's at the point where, you know, like you said, they are not giving him what he wants. He wants to go out and, you know, travel the world, go to Japan, have those big matches. Of course, there is the subsection of the wrestling community that (laughs) still believed that WWE was still in talks with New Japan and trying to work that deal. I think pretty much when that report came out, it was that was the moment that it was good as dead. Like I feel like as soon as I heard that report, and it was a whirlwind on social media. Like immediately after we we had the Tony Khan promo where he just uh, said he's the only con in uh in the con uh, in professional wrestling, not the con mm. man in Connecticut. Then you've had all the matches with the IWGP United States Championship on AEW Dynamite. You have John Moxley, who when he originally signed with AEW. He he was he had a clause in his contract that said you can perform for New Japan, but only in Japan. He couldn't even show up for a press conference for the 2019 G1 climax in Dallas, Texas. Now he's one of the headline names on the New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence show on uh, I believe it's Saturday. So Mm -hmm. yeah like these this is a big a big wide open sign by aew saying like wwe is not in business with new japan we are in business with new japan Mm -hmm. and i know there's also a subsection of fans the the more optimistic wwe fans it's like oh they could still be in business with uh aew and wwe would still work with new japan we have About 40 years of evidence that says WWE (laughs) wouldn't ever work with New Japan if they were still in business with AEW. The main thing of the report that WWE was in talks with New Japan was to be the exclusive partner, exclusive,
1: exclusive
0: partner of New Japan. And if you don't know what exclusive means, it means only only partner for New Japan. New Japan can't work with Impact Wrestling. New Japan can't work with AEW. New Japan can't do a lot of the things that they would want to do. And probably if if WWE had an event in California, they wouldn't have the Resurgence event on Saturday. If WWE had a California event in this month, New Japan probably wouldn't even be able to go to LA this month. So All of this points to AEW being being in partnership with New Japan, not WWE, which more lends into the fact that Daniel Bryan is heading to AEW.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost a given. Sam Chris says here, Bryan wanted to stay home and be a father instead of signing for WWE. Didn't he want that? Yeah, he absolutely did. Uh, He said that on the record, not just to me, but in other interviews as well. And, um, you know, he's done that for, you know, was it four months now? He's been able to do that. But by the time Arthur Ashe comes along, it's five months. Um, And and you have to imagine as well, you're WWE back on the road now. But, you know, I was listening to JR's podcast today. AEW is like a one shot a week. You know, if you're Sting, for instance, um, just to use him as a more example than the other signings they've made of the similar ilk. Um, You know, it's a one day a week work for Daniel Bryan. He can still be a very present father and kind of take a what a day a day and a half traveling and out and the show to be the performer still and make great money i mean it's a bit of a no-brainer if you want that balance in life whereas with wwe there are so many more commitments um so i think he's had a great time doing that and you know he's looking at I mean, the, the kids are going to be starting school. I think it's his, his eldest, certainly is. Anyway, I don't know um, what the younger one will be doing, but I, I know they've talked about Bream. Maybe we'll have a return to WWE next year. He said uh, with Nicky. and you know, he's not just going to sit around and waste away what's left of his prime. And and in my opinion, being forty in the wrestling business is prime, like that. Really and is. in this day and in this day and age, it really is. So um, I do think. AEW is more of a lock And and I think both things can be true he wants to have his dream matches but he also wants to be there for his family and the one place that that can be true is AEW so you know you have to really uh take all of that into account I do think
0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
1: I do want to say this, HB3, because we mentioned this earlier. I don't want to retread it too much because I spoke about it at length on the show yesterday. And I mean at length. But I know you didn't get to talk about it with me or have a rebuttal or anything, and you did have some opinions on Triple H and what who's really to blame for the uh, the fall, or, you know, the, the not the fall of NXT, but certainly the um, miscalculations and the and the seeming restructure that is on the way. Uh, I obviously made the point that I felt like Triple H had more than delivered um, talent that have come through NXT ready to make an impact on the main roster i stand by that um you had some counter comments i do believe
0: i i just feel that triple h gets a pass from a lot of professional wrestling fans and i don't think that You know, yeah, you could say he's developed guys like a Baron Corbin or uh, uh, like a Braun Strowman, Alexa Bliss, uh, Charlotte Flair. The Four Horsewomen are definitely a credit and something that Triple H can put his legacy on, that he helped develop them into stars that has translated to the main roster. But when you look at, I would say maybe... 70 75% of the stars that came into NXT they were they could have went straight to the main roster and they would have been they they would be ready-made stars. It wasn't anything that Triple H did. He gave them a platform to to perform underneath the WWE umbrella, but I can't credit I can't credit Triple H for a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn. Yes, you kind of bit
1: you can a bit for WWE audience, of course you can. How so? How would Vin, they would have been totally different had they gone straight to Vincent Mann? I don't know how you can't see that. That like if you say that these people would come straight to WWE, I mean, first of all, they wouldn't have come into WWE, right? Like that's one thing. He, he deserves
0: of, credit for hiring them. I will give him right. that. I give him that. This is, but and this is what I'm saying. Be, no, I, I didn't
1: say he developed them. I didn't say he developed them. I said that he gave the main roster a lot of talent. Right, okay. now, a lot of people came through NXT. That the main roster should have made more of you know look, literally I don't care who it is nobody can sit here and convince me that Vince wasn't given enough talent out of NXT it, it doesn't matter it's semantics who developed it and I've said this openly that I don't feel like you know the PC for everything that it cost and, and whatnot like it hasn't developed nearly enough we all know that they should have had more homegrown talent um, and there are examples of people that you know Triple H is either um, you know, like repackaged or developed. I mean, you know, that have come through NXT. I mean, some of them kind of stray into FCW as well. But I, I mean, um, the two
0: Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman, Alexa Bliss. Like he he, he could take credit for really uh, Carmella, you know, I
1: guess. Like Carmella's you know, another one. Yeah. There's a, there's a few wrestlers out there who for sure didn't really have the the background on the appendant. You know, uh, you know, the Kevin Owens and El Genericos and, you know, we all know that they'd already done their thing. But still yeah. And I made this point the other day, and I, I know that you might not take this well, being someone who watched Ring of Honor at length, but that is a small sample size market compared to the WWE landscape where we are now, right? It is. So to, to say it's a given, they would have just come into the main roster and, you know, been amazing and stuff. I think that the bridge of NXT was actually more important than people give it credit for. But alas... I guess we'll never truly know because the disconnect and the alignment between NXT and main roster, I think we can all agree on that definitely wasn't right. Like whatever, you know, whichever way you want to look at it, triple H didn't give Vince what Vince wanted or Vince didn't know what to do with the great stuff that triple H gave him. And I'm more inclined for the latter, but either way, it didn't work. Sadly.
0: Sadly, it didn't work, and changes is a coming. And I've I made this statement, and I know uh, we did a poll on the on the community tab for what we're gonna debate tonight. But I really wanted to debate what type of changes I would put to NXT because I believe. It should revert back to the 1980s. This is what Mystic Man wants. You remember the <laughs> 1980s? You had in the main event scene your Hulk Hogan's, your your Ultimate Warriors. You had your big guys like uh, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, and then the Intercontinental Title scene was the workhorses. You had your Macho Man Randy Savage. Then that generation moved on. It went to Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. They need to model NXT after that. You do you put you put your Johnny Gargano. Your Roderick Strong's, your Kushidas in the cruiserweight and the North American titles, and those are your workhorses. The NXT championship, whether we believe it or not, has already made that transition because the transition point is carrying Cross. Cameron Cross is not your prototypical NXT champion of the last couple of years. He's not your Finn Balor's, he's not your Neville's, he's not your Adam Cole's, he's not your Johnny Garganos, he's not your Tommaso Ciampa. He's a character. He's a big guy. He's a guy mm. that can be that, that launching point to making it more about the big men and about the stars that Vince he's, is going to look at as a star that he probably will 50-50 book in about three weeks. Well, but,
1: uh, it already is. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, he's not Hogan either or Andre or Alex no. or he's, Rock. He's, like,
0: he's more akin to a Ultimate Warrior. He's got the entry. Sure. He's got the I character. Mean. He's somewhat Mark Merrill. Mark Merrill meets Ultimate Warrior. That that would be <laughs> that would be my, that. Sure. That, would, yeah. that would be my analogy for Carrier Cross. Like he's a he's a he's a bigger guy. And then you you basically form that into it. I'm I'm not I'm not here to give you guys a bad take, but I'm like I said, I always try to put on my Vince hat and try to look at it in his eyes. And maybe it should be the Odyssey Jones, the Duke Hudson's that are in the NXT championship uh place because you you can have you know certain smaller guys that are charismatic move up into the nxc championship division i've been a big advocate for cam cameron grimes he's the type of guy that i can mm. see breaking through and getting a big win on one of these big guys but i think that the majority of the guys that you put into that main event scene should be guys that are going to translate that vince sees as stars now now that they're making this transition
1: i understand that point i really do um and i think you know, you you're spot on in terms of where they're going. I I just think, and this is a whole another thing, that Vince needs to update his opinion on wrestling because I I just don't believe that it is. You know, oh we have got the great Carly. Let's put the belt on the great Carly. Um, like I think AEW is a great example of this that great wrestling is what should be at the top of the card, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be. And it's amazing when a Brock Lesnar comes along or someone like that, right? We all know that, 6'3", 270, and they're, like, athletic as hell. Those are obviously the gold standard. The Rock is, like, 6'5", 270, right? Yeah. Obvious, obviously, if you have those guys, amazing. But I don't think you just look at every big guy and go, oh, God, you know, let's see what we can do with this. Um, I, I that, that blueprint, to me... I feel like it should be the talent as opposed to the outer shell. Whereas WWE, you're thinking, okay, um, if I have someone who's big, we can teach them the rest. And yeah, you know, to me, I, I, I like I get, like I said, you look at the top, let's say twenty wrestlers in AEW. I don't know how many are over six two
0: no no yeah it's 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 very rare
1: or or even how many of them are like enormous you've got guys that are like you know like moxley is obviously you know like in shape or you know you've got guys who obviously are in good nick but i mean are there any bobby lashleys there no No. that does that detract from anything no like that that's kind of my point this whole uh like oh we gotta go back to the drawing board here and go back to what worked It, it always has worked I just think there's evidence out there to suggest actually there's a lot of people that would like to see that part of the industry. Like that's all Whoa, I was trying. 100%. To
0: say. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm one of the people. Like I said, I grew, I Ring of Honor, TNA. That those promotions in like two thousand three, two thousand four kept me being a wrestling fan. If it wasn't for those promotions, I probably would not be on your YouTube screen right now because I would've <laughs> I would moved on for professional wrestling in my high school years. But those, the work rate type of promotions kept me with it. So I'm definitely, I definitely agree with you that it's not about size anymore, but if this is what Vince wants, this is what Vince is gonna get. And if it makes a smoother transition where we don't have the heartbreak of a Shinsuke Nakamura keeping some of his aura from a new japan pro wrestling as he's in NXT and then getting called up to the main roster and then feeling like he's his talents have been squandered or the revival being one of the best tag teams oh. in the world and then coming to the main roster and they're shaving each other's backs like this is the stuff that really makes you lose some of that joy of watching wrestling is seeing someone that you had high hopes for you see him in NXT and it it really hurt the what what was the, the pattern? And I love that you quoted that um, article by Voices of Wrestling because they made very good points that mm. no one got, got stale, no one got dry in, in NXT because it was a whole pattern. You watch them come in. You have the excitement of them coming in. And then it's the journey to their big win. Not everybody's going to get the big win to win the NXT championship. Some guys come together with somebody else. They win the tag team titles. Somebody else wins the North American championship. But then when they lose the title, they move on to the main roster and someone else comes in to fill those spots. And yeah. it's a great pattern, a great formula to success for NXT but now that the the door is wide open the forbidden door is open in AEW in impact wrestling in new japan there is more options for people if you don't want to just be if you don't if you're not under the illusion of i got to go to WWE to be a success you can be a success anywhere in the world now so mm. And now it's not, they don't have the influx of talent that they did two, three, four years ago. So it's kind of hurt that formula. And as well, we've seen how transitions to the main roster has hurt people. And they, they don't, they kind of lose their love for professional wrestling as well. It's not just us fans, it's them because they see how it is in NXT. And then it's totally different on the main roster.
1: You know, it's funny. Um, because what used to be nxt's strength was the replenish the constant replenishment of stock over the hour show then when they went head to head with aw and it became a 2 hour show that was one of their weaknesses because aw yeah. was just uh, adding and adding and adding to their roster whereas nxt were like ah and we have to let go of this guy we have to let go of this you know keith lee whatever like um, it's it's weird how that worked out, but uh, I will say this as well. Uh Upton Avondale says eight year olds are famously open to change. He's seventy six at the end of the month. Avondale, he's got four years till he gets to that stubborn eighty. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is definitely interesting when you when you think about it like that, and and the way that it's all broken down, and obviously the way that I guess is the is the mindsets that they have now. And Vince thinks I've been very successful doing what I've done. And it's very hard to say that. I will say this. Um, we we're talking about homegrown. And correct me if I'm wrong here. But Chad Gable and Jason Jordan were homegrown. Yes, they um, were. And I had immense hopes for Jason Jordan. Like, it, it's such a shame that he's not like the poster boy of what the PC could have been. Because he, in my opinion, had everything. Like, in the ring, he was immense, he looked immense. I know his charisma like wasn't amazing, but he had that kind of physical charisma in the ring, like where his matches were interesting as a result. Um, And obviously he was just finding his legs and the cut angle stuff. And then of course he got the bad neck injury, man. Like that's a shame. And Chad Gable, I I use that as an example because I know people will go, Oh yeah, what's he doing? Um, If he left WWE tomorrow, he would have a great career. Like he what? could go to Japan, he could go to AW, and he would he would kill it. That man could put on clinics with anyone. I, I would say this right now, like Pete Dunn, Zack Sabre Jr., Daniel Bryan, and all of those names, whatever. Chad Gable is one of the best mat wrestlers in the world. Yeah. I would stand by that. He could mat wrestle with anyone. Some of the stuff he used to do in NXT, I was just like mind blown. He was just like I was just on the regular show with what J- Jordan and Gable were doing, American Alpha, and I was like, oh, my God, he's so, so good. And he just doesn't get a chance enough to show it on the main roster. And when he does, typically, funnily enough, all of us are going, wow, he's good, isn't he? Like, you know, Twitter are like, wow, Gable's really good. But it doesn't ever last, which is um, the fundamental problem. That uh, probably should lead us into NXT, yes. uh, SP3. Let's let let's talk about this um, at the top, as in, like, the main event. So we, we learned that we were going to get Pete done, Ilya Dragunov. Now, obviously, NXT UK guy over here. That's a big deal. Um, you know, they tacked together a little bit when the pandemic was easing up over here, and yeah. they did the thing with Volta. Uh, but um, in terms of the booking... Now, I know there's a lot of people that are like, hang on a minute, Ilya Dragunov, and many people think Dragunov's kind of prime to win. Yeah. If you, look at the, if you look at the arc of the story, right... Uh, now I know there's a lot of people who don't watch NXT UK, so I'm going to give you a brief rundown. He basically has been like battling all these mental demons. He was really doubting himself, very like his emotions got on top of him, and he's kind of had to find himself since the grueling first duel with Volta. He's kind of come back around. He picked up the massive win in a, in a four way, no a triple threat, sorry. Um, and then here we are. We're back at the match again. He's found the strength. He's found the belief again which is meant to be like the momentous overcoming yeah. of what the first of he did to him. So from a storyline perspective, a lot of people were looking at it going, well, really it would make sense if Ilya is the guy. And also from an NXT UK perspective, he probably is the guy. If you're going to put the NXT UK title on someone, it probably is him. Um, he loses to Pete Dunne on NXT. Now I'm not going to sit here and condemn it too much because I love Pete Dunne, but uh, from a, logic standpoint, I'm absolutely open to hearing SB3 why it's a silly move.
0: It was just dumb. Like, this guy is versing the 800-plus-day UK champion that is undefeated in singles competition that beat the... Le- ever living hell out of him uh, 10 months ago. They're building this up when he comes out. This is 10 months in the making. This is one of the biggest matches in NXT UK history. And it's very rare that we have a a NXT UK championship matchup on a takeover. The last two times was Volter versus Tommaso Ciampa, one of the greatest NXT champions of all time, and Volter versus Pete Dunne at NXT uh, Takeover New York, which was the two greatest UK champions going head to head where Walter won the title 2 years ago. So mm-hmm. you're got to build this guy up and I understand, you know, P Dunn they're probably grooming to be the the first challenger for whoever comes out of between and Cross and Samoa Joe. I'm leaning towards Samoa Joe like most especially Alex. But uh <laughs> but at the end of the day, P Dunn will get over a loss to to uh Ilija. Yeah, Especially if it's like by a roll-up or it seems pretty lucky. And this this whole booking just didn't make any sense. Like, why book the match to begin with if you're gonna have him lose? And I know there's gonna be the the WWE NXT apologist that'll be like, oh no, he was distracted. He looks like a dummy then. He why is he getting distracted when he's in the ring with the guy that held that same title for 685 days? Like mm. this would have been a statement win for him. So it didn't make any sense. If you're going to book this match and you even think that Pete Dunne should win, then don't book the match. Don't book the match. Make it a tag team match. Make it Pete Dunne and Oni Lorkin versus Ilya Dragunov and someone else if you have to. But, yeah, I just I, I was so baffled by that move.
1: Let me pitch this to you quick. Um, is there a line of thought that Pete Dunne's contract is expiring? That's and what and WWE are trying their best to keep a hold of Peter.
0: They were like, yeah, we're going to give you this way. You see, we, we, we're high. We love you, here. Pete. We, we no. love you, Pete. We're going to have you beat the future NXT UK I, champion. I, on,
1: I honestly don't think, by the way, that Pete Dunne would, would appreciate that booking. And knowing Pete, like, I mean, I, I don't know him, know him, but from having spoken to him, The times that I have, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would be like, yeah, just give me wins to keep me happy. He's very much about the wrestling. So um, I can't imagine, unless this was going somewhere, that he would have been over the moon about it. Now, of course, there are ways it can go. Uh, Pete Dunne picks up the win. What's he moving on to next? Could be... I mean, there's been a lot of Samoa Joe teases. So it might be a case of keeping him strong. Samoa Joe beats Kevin Cross. Pete Dunne, Samoa Joe. I still wouldn't have liked it because I thought... I think Pete could have took the loss uh, here. You know, I get that he's the heel. So why would you just, but you know, he's in enough, he's called enough people out in NXT. You could have had him distracted by someone. Um, Champa
0: and Thatcher. He's feuding with Champa and Thatcher. Like instead of just doing the promo where Thatcher challenges Rich Holland, they come out and they distract him. Or when Volter comes out to distract Ilya Dragunov, they attack Volter from behind. You could have you could have made this a bigger match for next week, where it's Ilya Dragunov and um Champa and Thatcher versus Holland. Uh, Pete Dunn and uh, Orny Lurkin or replace Orny Lurkin with Valter. You could have you could have stretched this out to make it a two-week story, and at the same time, you're giving Ilya Dragunov a credibility win against the former longest-reigning NXT UK champion, so people have more confidence that Valter is going to win. Now, if he beats Valter on, on, uh, at TakeOver, I feel like it's a little bit lesser. No matter how great the match is, mm. him taking the loss like 10 days before hurts his credibility
1: right the other line of thinking is that they're heading to a triple threat i now i i also would doubt that but um i i guess there would be some merit if you are going to make Ilya that he beats them both like the two longest reigning ever like i guess on paper that that sounds amazing but i also think like there is value in running it back the same way, like, you know, Sasha Bianca should just be run back. So should this, you know, you, you, you let it come on. It was such an amazing first match. You don't mess with the formula. You let them run it back. Um, when, when you factor all of that into it it, it, it then becomes very hard for me to then make a justification of like, okay, well, I could see what they were doing or where this was going. I guess we're going to have to see what next week holds. Probably nothing, but again, you have to hold out some hope. If it is in the case that Pete Dunne's contract ends in September, where are they heading with him then? Because presumably, I mean, if it is still up in the air, they don't know, or he hasn't, you know, given them an indication, and they are just thinking, "Well, oh God, you know, we just need to book him strong." I mean, I can't imagine it is that, but it, it, let's just say that it is. Have WWE not learnt lessons? Like, he should be putting people over on the way out then. Like, you know, you can't let him hold you to ransom, can you? But here we are. He's he's getting massive victories only a month out. Not even that. Three weeks out from departing the company, potentially. It should be worth saying. So, I think the whole situation is very strange. Like, it's very hard to get your head round because there, there are so many moving parts that we don't really... Like, the only thing that we do know is Cole and O'Reilly... It's heading for that third match. We're almost certain O'Reilly goes over. Like, it's literally 99% sure that O'Reilly is going over. We know the story that's being told there. Um Moving on to that, what did you make of the three matches they picked? I guess the wrestling part makes sense for Carl O'Reilly at least.
0: Yeah, that made sense. Um, I just don't understand why we can have Hell in a Cell but we can't call this three stages of hell. I, I, I don't understand why they view be, because they did this with Cole and Gargano, and they also called it a two out of three falls match when they first yeah. in a two out of three falls match in New York. Then they did a three stages of the hell in Toronto, but still called it two out of three falls. And now they call in this two out of three falls. When you have stipulations for each fall, it's three stages of hell. Just didn't um
1: le- 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 I might be way off here. Like this is just my mind, you know. Uh, did not Cena not have this with, with Ryback, and they actually did call it Three Stages of Hell.
0: I believe so. I believe that is the last time. Yeah, like after um, WrestleMania 29, after he beat mm. The Rock in twice in a lifetime. Yeah, he feuded with uh, Ryback, and they had like a Three Stages of Hell. And that's, like seems like it was the last time we could have a match called Three Stages of Hell. Nearly
1: nearly 10 years ago.
0: Like. 10 years ago. <laughs> I thought it was uh triple H and Randy Orton. I think at the bash 2009 was the last time, but you are right. I think they did do like that, that stipulation through two out of three falls for, I'm sure like, they called it. Cena. that. I yeah.
1: vaguely recall a John Cena energetic promo, I'm like three stages of hell. Um, you know, I don't know Uh, either way. You know, I guess it's, it's the best for everyone at this point, isn't it? To wrap this story up. Like everybody knows, what's going on with Adam Cole, whether you buy into the fact that he might be staying, he's had positive talks, or he's going to let his contract go. I'm invested just because I know it will be good. But, you know, I still think that the whole composition of this feud has been difficult. Like, they've gone with, they started with the match that should have been much, you know, either the second or last the whole 40, you know, 50 minute epic that they had. Um, You know, it's the same way I feel like uh, Inner Circle and Pinnacle, really, starting with Blood and Guts was a choice as well. Um, But But they were able
0: to kind of recover from that like i feel they like out.
1: Yeah, it's it's okay yeah, yeah i but, feel like
0: since double or nothing, it's been better than it was but like they still haven't really recovered from giving us the 45 minute uh unsanctioned match at stand and deliver
1: mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying that that was like a a route to go But anyway, um, any anything else you want to pick up from NXT? Because all I'll say is that I'm delighted to see Odyssey Jones in the final. Yes. Um, I had said I would, I think, Cam- Carmelo Hayes, but looking at the size of Duke Hudson and the new remits, I might change my mind. Um, but it's still Carmelo Hayes is a hell of a talent. Um, yeah. I, I I do think the rocket is on Odyssey Jones. I hope it is in in a way, but I, I think I believe he's still actually pretty green from what people tell me. Like he's not that experienced. Yeah. So I don't know if I want him to be, like, thrust into the fire, but he's got a hell of a lot of charisma. Um, Good to see Sarray's alive uh, and having matches. Um, You know, Dakota picking up victories here, but she can't on main event against Aliyah. There's just a lot going on, SP3.
0: Well, let me, let me just say, like, Sarray is someone that, you know, they they hyped up as, oh, this is the next generation. We've had Asuka. We've had Kairi Sane. We had Io Shirai. Now the latest star from Japan is Sarray, and she's literally done nothing. I think that they are trying to compete with Saray and Taya Valkyrie, aka Frankie Monet, for who they have done less with since coming to NXT. Like they at least she has a story though. Like Saray is just being used randomly. She's supposed to verse Ember Moon. I would guess that she was gonna beat Ember Moon, and that would have been like the biggest win of her NXT or NXT career so far. But instead she versus Dakota Kai and she gets her first loss against Kai. I, I thought it was a a fun way to start the show it was a good opener but that was about it like it feels like saray is very directionless outside of that the things that stood out to me was the good promo with uh la Knight, ted dibiase and cameron grimes to set up the match at uh takeover i i actually enjoyed the skits with index even though this story seems to be going in reverse like yeah. they lost a, a lover a loser match and now they're going out on a date. It feels like this should have happened a few weeks ago to lead up to the Love Her Loser match, and that should have been, like, maybe on next week's show if they weren't going to do it at a takeover. But it was very humorous. Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae just working this role. I like Johnny Gargano playing Martin Lawrence in Bad Boys 2 to uh, <laughs> Dexter, Dexter Loomis. That was a fun little... Yeah. little we can't repeat that
1: skit, but... For sure,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. Who that, who that
1: is? He's, he's thirty. At least thirty. That's um, gonna
0: be. That's gonna be me and Alex at uh when when Harper gets a date a few oh. years. <laughs> Or when, or when Harlem gets a date in, a, in a few, like, 20 years. Heavy, chilly, chilly back <laughs> <laughs> the Daily Boys, the Daily Boys. Yeah. Watch out, watch out all the youngsters. The Daily Boys going to be at the front door waiting. Don't for... come,
1: don't come round here. <laughs> don't do it. But yeah, um...
0: yeah, I thought, I thought that was fun. And definitely uh, an upgrade from what we saw last week with Io Shirai and Zoe Starks, as far as, like, skits oh. on NXT. Oh. I know oh, the bar dear. was low. I know the bar was low.
1: Yeah, and, Jamie, even Jeremy Brash couldn't say that. Um And a correction
0: well, to, uh, I see Anika here saying, uh, well, Three Stages of Hell is no holds barred, street fight, and cage match. No, the first Three Stages of Hell was um Austin versus Austin Triple H. H. The first match was straight up, the second match was a street fight, and the third match was a cage match. So that, that's mm-hmm. basically what they're doing here, and they're not calling it a Three Stages of Hell.
1: I they wonder if they'll do it like that, because Austin won the straight up yeah. And that was the whole, and the whole thing at that point. I love it how me and SB3 were like encyclopedic in this very small part of WWE. Because um, the whole thing was, he's the game. He's the best in the world. And, of course, Austin beats him straight up. And everyone was like, oh, but then Triple H gets the next full. And Triple H actually won it, which people don't remember much no. because austin just, was going on to mania 17 no one really cared everyone was like oh well you know it's fine he's gonna meet the rock uh so all right but, they yeah. stuck
0: him up to be the first challenger for austin instead of the heel turn that went wrong like and then them teaming up with each other the day after WrestleMania. Yeah. i mean but-
1: I, I will say this like, the 2 men power trip makes no sense but i i still liked it i still liked it i was still watching it let them just literally tear the shit out of everyone every week the Hardy boys got destroyed about three weeks in a row. Remember that one where Lita is just getting beaten the shit out of? Um,
0: what, a for what? what a steal! I mean, steal. the only payoff
1: was that Jeff Hardy won this intercontinental title for like a day. That was the payoff for Lita getting beaten the crap out of. Um, oh, good times. Uh, I, I I still wish I knew where that story was going. I wish uh, I wish I'd asked Triple H that. Um, I wish I'd known. But anyway, um, I wonder if they're doing the same here. Will Adam Cole beat Kyle Riley in the straight-up part? Who
0: maybe. Knows. maybe He did beat him at Great American Bash, and that was the whole point why O'Reilly wanted the straight-up match first. So we'll see. Exactly. I think it's so going to be great.
1: So why does he want it again? It just makes no sense. Anyway, uh, well, I guess to write the wrong, I, you know, I've talked myself yeah. into it. Uh, yeah. What I will say here is everybody – Uh, Get your ultra chats in before the end of the show. If you want SP3 and I to divulge and get into what you have to say, you know what to do. WrestleTalk.com forward slash wrestling daily. While you're here, thumbs up, subscribe, help us get towards our 15 K. We're on the road to 12 and a half right now. And of course we need to get to war games, Uh, win on Quizlemania. And there will be a Quizlemania tonight with that. SB3 what was our debate tonight
0: so the winner of our of our poll and i want to i want to say thank you to everyone who's been supporting these polls it's a nice way of gauging our audience and uh, you guys let us know what you want us to debate it was actually alex's idea for for this one i always ask alex like the morning of when
1: we're and he comes to me with like come on man come up with some ideas i'm like ah.
0: I always got like two in my head, but I'm just like, oh, let me get his his input. But yes, he, he suggested we predict the next champions for AEW. So I, I want to put a little twist on this because I feel like when it comes to the AEW World Championship, we're kind of on the same thinking like most of the world where we want that cowboy S word. I, I won't add to the swear jar for today. <laughs> um, but
1: It's open. I think that
0: we can predict the next when we get to there. We'll just do Okay, we'll go for after page. I would say maybe the next three, the next two or three after page. Who we who we think the lineage will be, and what's been a very good lineage for the AEW World Championship. But let's start with the TNT Championship first. The, The Redeemer, God's favorite champion, Miro who do you alex think will be next champion
1: oh my god it's so hard to predict who's gonna beat miro he's like unstoppable right now um would have to be a big bullish bastard um see the thing is like in wwe they'd have like kalisto beat him um you know uh who did kalisto win the title from like was it him i can't remember he won I it. He won so. it from someone. So.
0: Yeah, he won. The, Al- I think
1: he did. He might have won the U.S. title from Rusev, something like that. I'm sure he did. Um, no, I think
0: he won it from Alberto, and then Rusev won it from him.
1: I'm ah, okay. Him. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Either way, I recall some dumpster matches and shit. Um, I think. I mean, maybe they're not in the company yet. But if I was to make a prediction of who would beat him, and you look at the big guys around him, like maybe like a powerhouse Hobbs. Would be a good one, um, like that would be his first like push into the mainstream. I think Jungle Boy would be a really good shout. Um, that would be his first like real overcoming the odds in a big yeah. time situation. Like I could buy Jungle Boy beating him. I, th- I think I think probably the top three for me a powerhouse uh, not an order, powerhouse Hobbs malachi black that'd be a great way for him to get rolling as well and jungle boy i i the more hmm. man all three of them are really good picks like and i could make cases for all three of them like powerhouse hobbs needs to assert himself somewhere at some point like you know he's like fifth in the world title rankings yeah I don't know if you saw this it's like fifth because he just keeps picking up w's um that'd be a good way To have him kind of, you know, keep building up and keep building. Uh, Same for Jungle Boy. You can't have him in that world title picture, I don't think, in the next couple of years, particularly if Punk and Bryan are coming in. Um, But he is still moving in the right direction. And overcoming someone like Miro would be good. Not just great for him, but Miro, I think it's, you know, he could really help someone. And at the same time, the fans wouldn't, like, think it's killed him either. Um, So there's that. Uh, and Malachi Black, you know, ag- again, same thing. I think House of Black is going to be a big deal. I think he's obviously had a great start to life in AW, And the only thing with that is that you have to kind of keep it cooking, right? That's the, that's the thing. Great angle that they found with Cody. But how do you keep him simmering along without injecting him into whatever picture? Um, so I think the TNT title actually could be a really good one. What about you?
0: Since you, since you got three, I'll, I'll put my three out there. The one I do yeah. definitely agree with when I first heard TNT Championship and based on the matches that we have seen from, from Miro outside of Lance Archer, he's beaten Dante Martin, he's beaten uh, Brian Pillman Jr., and he's beaten Lee Johnson. And I've been loving mm. his selling, by the way, because yeah. it's very much akin to the Stone Pit Bull Tomo Ishii in that he sells like a video game boss and if you (laughs) played the old school video games you need to kick them like three or four times before that that bar goes down just a little bit and that's how Miro sells he like the DDT that Lee Johnson did on him last week on Dynamite where he just sat up and it looked like he was gonna no sell and then he just drops down to one knee and then stumbles that was one of the best sells that I've seen in AEW. And that's what I think that he needs like that underdog to finally overcome him. So Jungle Boy makes a whole lot of sense because he's all been about, you know, just coming up short in these big matches, whether it was, you know, making the time limit draw with Chris Jericho, pushing uh, Kenny Omega to the limit. This would fit like, this would feel like the big moment for him. So definitely Jungle Boy's in my top three. I would also say Sammy Guevara because they've been really pushing him. Maybe face
1: has been firing.
0: Underneath the surface, they've been really pushing him in a big way, and that would feel like a, a big moment for him and a big title win. And I like how the TNT championship, it feels like a heavyweight championship when somebody wins it. It felt like that mm. when Miro won it. It felt like that when Darby Allen won it. It felt like that when Brody, Brody, Brody. Lee won. So like a Jungle Boy or a Sammy Guevara, it would feel in that same that same light. And then if you're thinking about like horses to go up against them, you say powerhouse hop, I think Brian Cage. Brian Cage can find a, finally finish his feud with uh, Ricky Starks and then pull a Lucha Underground and rip the FTW title and say, I'm going after the real gold and I want Miro for the TNT Championship.
1: I think, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I don't think there's any wrong answers there. I would love to see Sammy... Um, as a real contender to Miro. I think I'd like to see him be a contender on pay-per-view and lose. Like I'd like Miro yeah. to get a W because I just think it wouldn't hurt either of them, but it would be an amazing match. So that's my feeling there. Let's talk about the women, the women's title. This is a tough one because Britt Baker is the right champion, right? Yes. Like, I don't want I don't want to see anyone have it off her right now. She's in like peak of her powers as the champion. It's where everyone wanted her to be you got Thunder Rosa at the top of the rankings at the moment, right? We know that Red Velvet's about to get a shot, but we also know that Red Velvet's not going to win. Um, the way I'm approaching this is that, you, obviously, you don't not do Rosa and Britt Baker. Like, the feud is there. Yeah. Of course, you do Britt Baker and Rosa. It's a difficult one because I think Baker is so over now that like the big win for Rosa. Uh, I don't know, right? Like, not that I don't want to see Rosa as the the champ or anything. Like, I do. And there's also a part of me who wants to see Tay Conti ascend to like a. Because I feel like the crowd would really get behind her if she did. And yeah, obviously, obviously, Yuka Zakazaki should win everything ever. But um I do think it's Jade Cargill. I think Britt Baker has a long run to the end of this year, perhaps early next year, and Jade Cargill's. The person she is, and I've said this before, and I don't care if people don't like it or not. By the way, someone's put Chris Statlander in the chat. She's unbeaten. Does anyone know that? Yeah, she's like yeah. She's like sixteen and zero or something in AEW. And ridiculous. people
0: people don't remember that Britt was in the match where she got injured. So they Correct. have a, they have yeah. a ready made are ready made there's a few of them that have ready made stories with Britt, but i definitely mm. agree with you jake cargo has to be in the suge- in the in the in the discussion she's there. She the brook Lesnar
1: sp3 she is she yeah. is like that special once in a generation athlete like look at her man like That's, she that that is like if you turn on the tv i've said this before you turn on the tv never seen her before it's like oh my god who is that right she exactly. has that and she's delivered in the ring thus far you let her keep getting the reps in I'm telling you 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 go to the moon with someone like that. You do. So the
0: so the, like I I've been really uh critical of AEW's booking of the women's uh world championship since double or nothing, since Brit One and it's not really uh, you know them uh, not putting enough focus on the women. I just haven't like the timing of the challengers. Like I felt like mm. Nyla Rose would have been perfect For Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh, you know Britt Baker is going to be the babyface. So I don't understand why Red Velvet, an underdog babyface, is her challenger there. That didn't make sense. She should have been the first challenger for Mm. Britt right out of double, right out of double or nothing. Or one of my one of my picks for the next AEW women's world champion is someone that had a feud that put both of them over at the time. It's done more for Brit in the long term than it did for her, but she beat her in that in that feud. And I'm talking about big swole. Big Swole, beat her mm. in the tooth and nail match. They got them both. They got both of them over when Britt was injured in the summer during that whole feud. And they really haven't done much with Big Swole. They have her, you know, in her little feud with uh, Diamante on AEW Dark she, Elevation. She was just
1: for a bit, right? I think she was injured a bit last year. I, yeah, yeah. I, think,
0: I think she was. She was hurt for a bit, but I just feel like they should be doing more with her, and yeah, she would have sure. been a, a very logical first challenger for her. Like she could have came out and be like, "Brit, you forgot about me. Like I, I've had my my beef with you, like, and yeah. I beat you in your own in your own home turf in your dentist's office. So <laughs> I be yeah. the first challenger for the AEW Women's World Championship. So I feel like she should be in the conversation." chris statlander like you said is undefeated but you know me i voted for her for the woman's wrestler of the year last year i'm a thunder rosa guys, so thunder rosa <laughs> yeah. but i think that it shouldn't be in the first time i think the first match between them should be at all out and i think Britt should win there but it should be a very close matchup because then Britt can kind of be like I'm two and zero against you, Thunder Rosa, because the one time you beat me, it was unsanctioned. It, it, does, it, it doesn't yeah. count. It doesn't count. Yeah. So I'm two and zero. And do you want to? And then you know they have a rematch, and she could she could be like, I'm gonna make it three three and zero against you, and then that's where Thunder Rosa kind of finally beats her. And then you you are, they're really two two, and you can have another big matchup down the line. So this should be a feud that stretches out for a a year or maybe a uh, 18 months, because these two women just have a once in a lifetime type of chemistry. They're really like AEW's answer to Sasha and Bailey in the way that, in the way that that match was received this year. I feel like they can do a lot of great things together.
1: I love Thunder Rosa. This is well-documented. I think she's awesome. I just feel like if you're making Jade Cargill, which should be a priority. Yes. Britt is the person you beat right? Like, it would mean sure. more. Yeah. I, 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 and, I, and that's not to say, like, you know, mean more talent-wise, just Brit is so over. Um, I do agree. I think Jade's maybe the one. Uh, the tag titles. Let's it, make a pit stop here before the world title. This is a tougher one to kind of get into. Um, like, I mean, I was kind of, go- I would have loved the Moxley and Kingston. I don't think it's going to happen now, but I would have loved that at the time. I thought that was the one. Um, I don't know if you can do Sting and Darby, but I would take it. Um,
0: I like the way you think, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, like I, I I made this clear on Twitter. I was loving the stable of those four. Um, but you know, looking at I was looking at the rankings and the landscape. Like, like Jungle Express are the like number one contenders, I think, in the rankings. Um, FDR are still lingering, and they haven't really sewn that story up. Like, just I I never bought that it was just going to be one match but if if we're looking to do something with someone it's got to be pride and powerful isn't it it has to be like they are overdue the chance are they not
0: I think that they haven't really built one contender for all out so I think that they should move the, the proud and powerful FTR story into the title picture. We haven't really had a three-way tag team title match since full gear in 2019. So this mm-hmm. seems like it would be the perfect time to do that. Cause you're not going to give Barcy blondes, the title shot on pay-per-view you, Jurassic express that, that has more tangibility to it because they did verse uh, the Young Bucks last year at all out, but they lost to the Young Bucks there. So there is kind of a story that they can kind of pick back up. And I love that about AEW that losses and the history that the two teams or two people have, it matters. plays out. Yeah. It matters. Mm. And, it, and they want you to remember it. Unlike other companies that insult your intelligence and think you don't remember, but you know, they 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 appreciate that, and I think for proud and powerful to get this shot there in, in Chicago, it makes a whole lot of sense because they, that was where they debuted in 2019. I was there live mm. and I saw them debut. I saw them come out with the dead president's mask, and I knew who it was because I was like, That's they walking like New Yorkers, that's how New Yorkers <laughs> walk in the <laughs> building. So I knew it was Santana and Ortiz, so I think it should be Santana and Ortiz versus yes. FTR versus the Young Bucks. Put a ladder in there. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. That would be Ooh. a match the year candidate right there. Show
1: Stealer. Show Stealer. Show Stealer
0: support. Uh, so I, think I, they, I do
1: think Proud and Powerful need the moment. I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they they need the moment. And then you can easily do FTR beats them for the titles to get their titles back. Eventually, you know, during FTR's reign, maybe the Young Bucks will be back to babyface again and you could run that match back. So I think mm. it would should be probably Proud and Powerful then FTR, and then maybe even Jurassic Express. If Jungle Boy doesn't have his moment with the TNT championship, maybe it's the tag team gold.
1: Yeah, very interesting. I mean, I, I don't know where Death Triangle fit in either, but I would have loved to have seen them in the picture. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just feel like out of everyone, like if you ask me who should be the next champions, I, I would go Proud and Powerful, Santana, Ortiz. Um, they've been unsung heroes, in my opinion, um, during their run. And they, they've kind of played a background to the more grander inner circle Jericho run. I feel like it's time for them to have the bangers that I know they can. Um, You know, there's there's a a theory out there that Hangman Page might be joined by a certain Adam Cole against the Elite, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I could buy that Adam that they do the Hangman Page does challenge them at all out. I could definitely buy it, but um, I have no idea what direction they're going to go with that. Let's, you know, Hangman Page, great segue. I know we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that he needs to be the guy that beats Kenny Omega. But then after him, you've got a lot of options now, presuming that Punk, Brian and Cole, at least the first two are AEW bound. It's like, wow, okay, how do you fix all that in? I will still controversially maintain my original point here. Hangman should be beaten by MJF. MJF should be beaten by Wardlow. I said it. Wardlow should be that story. He's going to be made tonight against Jericho. I believe that the rest can wait. You can find stories for Punk and Brian in the interim. Um, and I think you can find amazing stories of the rest of the talent that's on the roster, be it Moxley, Omega and everything else, right? You can keep Punk and Brian busy. Uh, and, you know, we can this can carry us to next summer. I don't know when Hangman Page is actually going to get the belt at this rate. Exactly. But let's presume he gets it by the end of the year or the first pay-per-view of next year. By the end of the year, by this time next year, we could be talking about MJF at the end of his reign or Wardlow at the beginning. And then you've got time to get the guys in. Um, I know that maybe that's my utopia talking, where you can make guys who I do think are ripe – <sighs> but uh, I do understand those who will say, hmm, you've got Punk and Brian. So I don't know, man. Yeah. It's tough.
0: Uh, I'm going to say, I think we are in green. Tankman is next. So I'll go with the three after him. MJF, okay. I don't agree with Warlow because I, I, I still feel he's still green and he has time. And I feel like MJF is not a one time AEW world champion. He's going to win it back. And then you can eventually go to Wardlow then. But MJF, CM Punk. Yeah. Darby Allen. Ooh. The CM Punk beats Darby Allen in his return match at all out. And like I said. AEW wants you to remember these things. It always comes back. It always makes full circle. And Darby Allin has this new obstacle to overcome. Because that was the whole thing when he won the TNT championship. It was he never beat Cody. He had three opportunities at Cody. One was a draw. Mm -hmm. Cody beat him twice. And then the fourth time, he beat Cody You can do that and have that story of his next obstacle is beating CM Punk, who is basically Darby is Jeff Hardy meets CM Punk because he's straight edge. He has the look of a Jeff Hardy and it plays in where they can have a long form story. But I feel like Punk has to win. You have to have Punk or Bryan win the AEW World Championship because they're going to be one of your biggest stars. And I feel like Brian is more akin to have his dream matches in AEW. CM Punk kind of needs to win the AEW world
1: title. We need to, to reassert. Yeah, I, I yeah. hear you. And, and also, like, I think we said that MJF would be one of our top opponents for Punk. So, you know, I hadn't thought about it like that. That is a very good point. Uh, you know, that's the feud that you'd like to see happen. And what would MJF really lose by losing to Punk? No. Um, I still think the Wardlow story is strong. And I, I, don't do. think, I don't think you leave it years, right? I don't think you leave it years. Maybe you don't need the title over it, but I think that's an easy way. To make Wardlow for the title, and I, I'm, I've said this for a while. I, I really do believe Wardlow is going to be one of the top players in AEW, which I know some people probably find tough to believe when you look at the yeah. sheer volume of incredible names that are going to be around that top echelon. But if you, you know, I think AEW have proven at this point that they're quite committed to making their own names in and around those. So it's going to be very, very interesting, man. I hope our perfect world of aw works out i like all those future champions uh i mean next week we'll do the wwe version of that heading into SummerSlam. um i do believe that there are no ultra chats this week which makes me sad but understandable we like we're here for the debate but uh (laughs) remember guys you can do that whenever you like you can get involved and let us know what you think but while you are here at the end of the show 100 odd of you 140 odd thumbs up subscribe give us all of that good loving that will help us on our journey here on wrestling daily sb3 man quickly tell the people what they can expect from you this week uh you
0: can see me over on the distraction patreon tomorrow night 6 p.m eastern time 11 p.m bst with joseph holbert he's doing his own version of the ultimate dream card for SummerSlam. So we're going to put together an ultimate dream card. So that's going to be fun. We're going to do it better than they do it on the WWE network. And, uh, uh Friday, you can see me with Dutch Mantel, Rick Uccino over on the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel with Smack Talk. And then Saturday, the big one of the biggest True Hill Heats yet it's gonna be True Hill Heat versus the Distraction, me and Top Guy JJ Ooh. versus Joseph Holberg and Jeremy Lambert in a live fantasy wrestling draft. You join us live and you'll be one of the judges because we're gonna have a in in chat poll to decide who has the better roster.
1: Tremendous stuff. Uh, I obviously will stay busy with Talk Wrestling. That's going to be dropping tomorrow, I believe, with Jordan Grace, Jake Atlas, and Ricky Starks, which is a really great interview. I was very pleased with Ricky. I um, hope you guys take the time to listen to that. And I'm going to be very busy in the next kind of 10 days with WWE interviews ahead uh, head of SummerSlam, so keep your eyes peeled. There's a couple of big names in there. Winkity wink wink. Um, so looking forward to to that if you need us before then you see our handles in the top corners but for now thank you for watching wrestling daily bye bye
0: hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter